Present Tense Podcast by Green Bucket Press. Hi, this is Ann Bailey, the host of Present Tense Podcast and the founder of Green Bucket Press. One of the fundamental things about being human is our ability to use words. This ability goes beyond the communication that is pervasive in all of life and allows us to express intricate detail and thought to create connections that can be shared. Most of us simply take this power of language for granted. We have this astonishing power and are mostly unaware. For some of us though, there is a stirring, a whisper, an urging to tell a story, to form a pattern of words that is pleasing to the mind and the ear, to speak, to share the shapes of words and the textures of sounds. You know who you are. It starts as a secret that we dare not tell, and yet is known in the gut, in the resonant heart, We are writers. We are poets, storytellers, dreamers, seers, visionaries, preachers, helpers, heroes. We are regular folk wanting to write it down. And in that act, we join a tribe that goes back in time. The Voice Book Writing Journal is made for us, for our voices. It is simple and reliable, designed by a book artist and writer. The voice book is made in Irondale, Alabama by Green Bucket Press. Sold exclusively online, the voice book is available in several sizes. Order now and enter the promo code POEMS10 to receive 10% off your order. Just go to greenbucketpress.com backslash workshop to see our full line of voice book journals, books, bags, and wall art. Green Bucket Press. Write it down. This episode of Present Tense Podcast is part two of the Poet Interviews, featuring poets and educators of the Magic City Poetry Festival in Birmingham, Alabama. The Magic City Poetry Festival starts April 2nd, and events span the week, including an open mic at Studio 2500, a panel discussion at the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, an evening of readings at Naked Art Gallery, and a community poetry showcase at Desert Island Supply Company. For more information on the festival and on the poets in this episode, you can go to our website at greenbucketpress.com backslash present tense podcast.
Now for the episode. Jacqueline Allen Trimble is a 2017 Alabama State Council on the Arts Literary Fellow. Her poetry has appeared in various print and online journals, including the Louisville Review, The Offing, and Blue Lake Review. American Happiness, her first collection, was published by New South Books, named the best book of 2016 by Seven Sisters Book Awards, and won the 2016 Balconis Poetry Award. Trimble lives and writes in Montgomery, Alabama, where she is a professor of English and chairs the Department of Languages and Literatures at Alabama State University. My name is Jacqueline Allen Trimble, and I am a poet. The fulfillment of what I have always wanted to be Poets have always been important. They are the ones who see. Able to distill that sight into a concise column that will allow others to see. To change their angle of perception and stand for a moment in the poet's mind and space. To be charged to tell the truth unflinchingly, in a way that is not preaching nor treatise, but in a way that allows others to enter for a while a space of reflection. So for me, poetry is the necessary thing. I begin to see how language could be manipulated to Um, create powerful emotions, and to espouse complicated ideas in little spaces. Poetry is always political, whether it claims to be or not. I read poetry every day that speaks truth to power, or sometimes re-inscribes power. Um, But that is in itself the power of art, and of poetry in particular. It can rearrange our thinking. It can charm us and disarm us with that charm. It can make us reflect quietly and think about things we may be afraid to think about. And any kind of poetry, spoken word, literary poetry, rap, chant, litany, performance drama, it's kind of all of a piece. Because the power of poetry, if I can sort of paraphrase from Eliot, is its ability to squeeze the universe into a ball. And when it squeezes the universe into a ball, it can show us who we are. The world has this kind of buzz of people talking, turning phrases, making music with their words. 
Words are beautiful. They're powerful, heartbreaking, dramatic, subtle, sexy, romantic. Words are what make us human and what make us monstrous. So I'm going to read a poem called, What If the Supreme Court Were Really the Supremes? Oh, how their bedazzled robes shine as they glide into the courtroom, open wide their satin-gloved arms, flutter their long store-bought eyelashes and croon, my world is empty without you, babe. Even Cindy Birdsong envies their hips, pop and sway, dip and snap, each one a lady. Would these judges made new by the rhythm and the blues, the ooh, ooh, baby magic of a Motown spell, ever hold the sequined fish of my voting rights above their lovely bouffant heads, tip its iridescent scales toward the camera, then gut it like a dinner trout? The line I really like that I wrote is, This life, fragile and resilient as skin. What I think is the best line ever, it actually comes from Lucille Clifton's Won't You Celebrate With Me. Come celebrate that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. I do most of my writing uh, in my head, and then it sort of comes to fruition and comes out, unfortunately, in church or in the car as I'm driving along, and I begin to speak poems (laughs) and can't wait to get home and write them down. Putnam Middle School is part of the Woodlawn Writers' Corps. We went to Putnam to interview student poets. The poets in this episode include Virginia England, Wyona Hale, Precious Sturdivant, Layla Felder, Deja Grant, Desire Nwasu, and Divine Nwasu. Virginia, England. Oh, do you want a cup of coffee? Um, I can't be able to tell who I really am. Like one of my poems, it's uh my favorite poem. It really tells about me, and it's also because like I also like to rhyme a lot. So, Texas girl. Um, this is my favorite poem. Small as a mouse, can't be seen. Texas talk, little seen. Laugh, 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 that's all I see. Laugh, 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 that's all I hear. Different talk, different look. Oh my gosh, she's so weird. People always tell me, I say howdy. They say small as me. 
Others say she smiles a mouth, can't be seen, keeps on going on being me. Hugs, 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 I just shrug. Bye, 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 she's so fly. La, 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 she never needs to die because she's always loved by a guy. My name's Wyana Hill, and my poem is titled, Um, In My Mind. It's raining, not outside, but in my mind. I can't run. I don't have an umbrella, so one, only one patch of grass could go. I need sun, something to make it not dead, but alive. The grass is dead. It's all muddy now. I can't stand. I'm sinking in this muddy pit of nothing, and it's still raining. I reach for the, decay the decaying tree, hoping and praying for it to release me. I'm going to die. I start remembering the good times, me being happy. The tree is coming alive. It's not decaying anymore. I reach and pull out of the mud. Flowers grow. The sun dries the ground. I, can I see the door and walk towards it, but get hit with a force ten times worse. It's starting it starts raining harder than before. I get stuck, sinking worse than before until I'm going, going, gone. My name is Precious Sturdivant, and what I like about being a poet is that you can express yourself in different ways, and you can write about anything, about how you feel, history, and my favorite word is I have to say incredible because there's a lot of incredible things out here. The poem that I wrote is called Happiness. The amazing evening at sea and it sets a pretty peach sky. I feel calm because wind hitting me in my face playing around on the ship with new people I met. Eating the burgers that make you feel you want to die for. The shore water felt so good, my hands sliding through the sand. Stingray stinging, fishes fishing, couples kissing, cats kissing, flip-flops flopping, people partying, dogs licking. My name is Layla Felder. The importance of being a poet is you get to express yourself with the words that you give, and you can also, like, help other people. Like, you can send it as a message. And my favorite word is brave because you have to be brave living like living period because it's a lot of like hate people so you gotta be brave to stand up to those people and the name of my poem is the beautiful princess i see that the road has been destroyed i can hear the sound of lonely birds i can smell the dirtness of the air and the wickedness in the air it reminds me of a fairy tale and this is the evil queen's palace i can feel the thinness in the air like my lungs are closing I can imagine the vultures flying around and landing on the dead tree limbs. The muddy lake is the home of the evil electric eels that belongs to the evil queen herself. She's the baddest and the cruelest of them all. She owns a whole army of hideous creatures and casts spell on the trick to the beautiful princess. Deja Grant. Okay, if you know what, what you are, and they talk about you, just take it as their opinions, because if you know what you, who you are, that's that's who you are, so yeah. So I wrote a poem that was over exaggerated about an eraser. I don't remember it though. <laughs> I just know it says I am the eraser at the end. First poem is called I, I, I apologize. I got I really got this idea from 
the poet Oscar Brown. I apologize. I apologize for being fat, for being smart, for being that. I apologize for moving a lot. I accept, I hope you accept my sincere thought. I apologize for being myself unlike anyone else. I apologize for being clumsy, trip, for tripping and slipping everywhere. I apologize for being, bu- for being bullied, slapped, hit, kicked, and anything else, even though I'm a little slow. I really hope you enjoy the show of me being high and you being low. My name is Desire Wilson. Uh, I think poetry, like, you get to express yourself. Like, some people don't like to talk. And then, like, when you talk, like, when you write, well, it's important because like, you get to express yourself. You can say whatever you want. And, like, there's no boundary to what you can say. The name of my poem is called Daphne. When I look at the poem, I think about a time when I wanted to be something else, something bold, something strong, something unthinkable, something like a tree so I could get away from life, a life where my life is my own, that I change with the season. I grow old and die, then grow up with life. Daphne ran with all her might. I follow, follow with all his strength. Someone has to win, someone has to lose. Daphne called her father, help me, father, help me. Apollo yelled, stop my love. There is nothing to be afraid of. But Daphne didn't listen. She changed into a tree, feeling secure, but Apollo stopped, feeling sad. Divine Mosu. What I think that is the most important thing about poetry is that it doesn't matter who you are, you can write about anything you want. But they don't judge you by how, you, like, what you look like, they judge you by what you write. And my favorite word is happiness because there's a lot of ways people can be happy. So like, if you ask somebody like what makes them happy, you find you find a list of different things. Yeah. And um, my poem is called Divine Divine. I am the kitten that is small but fierce. I am the lion that is always restless. I am the vine that chokes the plant to death. I am beautiful as a, me- a meadow filled with flowers on a bright day. I am as quiet as the fairy that kisses the flowers. I am the sun as it sets. I am the moon that shines the way for animals in the black night. I am as blind as a bat at night. I am as loyal as a horse that is loved. I am as interesting as the books I read. I am the air that cools you when you are hot. I am the tears that you shed when you are happy. I am what my name says I am, beautiful and strong. I am the messenger of my ancestors, carrying on a family. I am all of this, simply me. Elizabeth Huey is the author of two poetry collections, Sunday Houses, The Sunday House, University of Iowa Press, and Guest Host, National Poetry Review Press. She is the co-founder and programming director of the Desert Island Supply Company, 
also called Disco, a literary art center in Birmingham, Alabama. I am Liz Huey, and I am the founder or co-founder and programming director at the Desert Island Supply Company. We call ourselves Disco for short. The space itself has evolved into a hub for Birmingham's creative community. So here at the space, we have poetry readings, we have music events, we have uh, sewing co-ops and writing groups, and really, we have just said yes to as many creative events that nurture um, Birmingham's artists and musicians and writers as we can. I am a poet. I have two poetry collections and I am working very hard on a third one. Um, and I have an MFA in poetry from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And I'm also a Birmingham native. So um, I grew up in Birmingham in a suburb. I had a wonderful public education in the suburbs and uh, went off to college, went off to San Francisco, and then back to Massachusetts for graduate school, and was drawn back home when I started a family with my husband, Chip Brantley, who's also a writer. And uh, we moved into the city itself and really wanted to bring what we learned in our upbringing and our education here in Birmingham and also um, through our graduate work, we wanted to bring it back to the city in some way. And um, we had an eye towards um, 826 National, um, Dave Egger's program, which brings similar programs and um, workshops to bigger cities. Uh, we wanted to bring something like that to Birmingham. And uh, we also wanted to connect uh, writers and teachers in the city with uh, Birmingham students. So um, I love that uh, the work I do teaching poetry and creative writing to students um, feeds my own writing itself. And um, I'm always reading um, current contemporary poetry and classics, uh, thinking about my students um, in elementary and middle school. We have the Woodlawn Writers Corps, which focuses on the Woodlawn feeder pattern and will follow students that we teach all the way up through um, the end of their high school career. And we want to do that because we know that if we can be consistent and see the same kids um, once a week as much as possible for at least an hour a week and follow them from year to year, then we can create lasting relationships, a lot of trust, um, a lot of understanding between our instructors and our students, and that we can also build from year to year on what they learn. So, um, for example, um, in every year, uh, we, all classes have a unit on mythology, and that may change from year to year. This year in the fourth grade, since it's Alabama history, we focused on Alabama Native American mythology. Um, just now in the eighth grade, we are focusing on Daphne and Orpheus. And um, so the students who continue to see us from year to year understand that mythology is a way that we entertain each other and that also we explain why things are the way they are and why humans act the way they act. And we can see those connections between myths and different cultures throughout the, the years. 
One thing that I wanted to note, having listened to my students at least that read their poetry and talked about the, what they loved about poetry, um, I mean, I love that they say that it's their time to express themselves and that um, there are no rules and uh, that it's fun to read in public and to share their work. And um, you can tell that they really love writing for those reasons. But um, for me as a teacher, there's so much more that goes into those lessons. From our end, we are making sure that they have many opportunities to demonstrate their understanding of figurative language. Um, we, this year in the eighth grade, we've done litanies, we've done uh, a lot of black history, we've focused on gun violence because that's hit really close to home recently with the shooting at Huffman High School, which is in our district. Um, so it's just, you know, it's kind of funny from my end to see that, like, at the core, um, and probably the most important thing is that the students love to read and write and that they're building their confidence in writing and that they have an opportunity to write what they want as opposed to, you know, what's forced upon them. I guess it's probably a good thing that they don't um, see it as such a formal education and they see it as a, a time to play. I fell in love with words when I was in middle school. So that is, um, uh, and I loved and hated middle school the way most people do. That was a time when I had some really wonderful teachers who gave us opportunities to write creatively. We teach students now that poetry is very simply art made out of words. So um, it has a much broader definition. So DISCO's mission is to give Birmingham students the creative tools that they need to explore and to document their world and their experience. Um, I think that there is um, an impression that maybe creative writing and poetry um, can be non-essential or the thing to do at the end after your serious work is done. Um, but we feel, and we have evidence to back it up and data to back it up, that um, the work that our students are doing creatively, it's working that creative muscle that can be applied to uh, whatever they do in their academic career and beyond. You know, it is that creative problem solving, it is that practicing empathy, it is the ability to make connections between things that seemingly are disconnected. And um, one thing that I really hope that we can do here in Birmingham as we continue to grow is to um, connect to the greater community of professionals and artists who use their, way, their words um, in a variety of ways to instruct or to protest or to uh, entertain. You know, we don't just think that we are creating professional poets. We don't believe that all these students are going to grow up to be novelists and poets. Hopefully a few will, but we know that they are going to be required to use their words as accurately as they can and to also present themselves on paper um, in a way that is as dynamic and impressive as they are in person. Laura Secord 
is the co-founder of Birmingham's Sister City Spoken Word Collective and is an editor of their anthology, Voices of Resistance. She spent over 20 years as a spoken word artist and producer of community performance events, including 100,000 Poets for Change and Voices of Resistance. Her poetry honors the unsung voices of women. I do identify as a poet, and I was thinking about this on my way over. I was thinking about why a poet, and I think it has something to do with the fact that I need to tell stories, but I need to do it with something that feels like music. Poetry comes to me pretty easily. I like something that shares where I'm at, but it also can be read aloud, can be performed. It takes you to a place beyond just the words and the emotions to something that happens that's musical, that has a quality that takes you one step beyond. I couldn't live without writing poetry. I've been writing poetry since I was a kid, and since I've been an adult, I've been focused on writing poetry. I think a need to tell not so much my story, but other people's stories, although I've discovered that telling mine is equally as important. I need to communicate with an audience uh, and be able to share poems with people that are in a group so that we're actually having a, an experience together, that we're having something that goes beyond the words and beyond the performance to um, a, the communication between audience and poet. I, that to me is really special and I love that more than anything and I think that's what keeps driving me to write poetry. When people can bring their voices and their stories together in a way that can be shared with others so that we increase our, our sympathy for one another, our empathy for one another, we're more compassionate about each other's stories, that probably changes the world better than a lot of other things that we can do. Uh, Friday night, I was I did some did poetry at a uh, AIDS fundraiser, so I was telling that story. Or whether I'm working with young people and encouraging them to tell their personal truth. When I um, teach poetry with the um, Woodlawn Writers Corps and through Disco at Putnam Middle School, or whether I'm with the Sister City Connection, which is a group of women poets and spoken word artists that I work with where I see that when many women are telling their stories, they can change a whole room. They can increase awareness. They can create healing. They can create new understanding between people. It's, it's a magic thing. So to me, poetry is hooks into that life force energy that has a whole lot to do with sound and rhythm and rhyme and feeling and image and so many things. And it, can create it's a creation that can go deep into the body itself and change people uh, in a very positive way i just can't shut up so i guess i'm really in a moment <laughs> i like to talk you know without expressing myself through words who knows um what would happen to me i mean i can't imagine a life without words that's what i'm gonna say this is a poem from a novel in verse that i'm writing my novel in verse is called an art a craft, a mystery, and it takes place in the 17th century in Connecticut, and it's the story of two of my ancestors, female ancestors who were found guilty of witchcraft, um, and it's the story of their lives in the colonies, 
And as I've been working on this revision, I began this book 10 years ago, and I'm revising it now, and I'm writing new poems for it now. And I discovered that hand sewing was really important to me being able to get into the mindset of the women I'm writing about for some reason. I mean, probably the main reason is that that was about the only art form that was considered acceptable um, for colonial women to participate in, uh, hand sewing. And some women who had practically nothing would keep a little sampler, a piece of good linen that they would sew on whenever they could. They would fill it from one end to the other. So I've been hand sewing, too, to kind of get into the mind of my characters. So that's one process that I've discovered has been helpful. And this poem takes place in Hartford, Connecticut, which was just a little colonial outpost at the time in um, about 1640s. And it is spoken in the voice of one of my, of my cousin, Catherine Gilbert, um, who later becomes Catherine Harrison. And um, she's telling about her life as an indentured servant with a family in Hartford, Connecticut. It's called Storied Talk. Mistress Cullock talks and talks, chattering all through her prescribed time for our edification. Ladies in waiting, she calls us, though we're not ladies, only servant girls who she trains in hand-sewing skills each afternoon with our toils temporarily completed. Our days begin in darkness where we complete our first chores, start the fire, make the porridge, no talking till the captain and mistress awake and critique our skill in making theirs a home like landed gentry's even though this time they live in wilderness. Mistress claims her girls after we serve and clear the midday meal, calling us together, the light is right for sewing. She calls my handwork atrocious. It never is complete, for she makes me pull my threads out. The worst girl of all I'm named. I just turn her storied talk off how her noble captain took his time in burning out the Pequot tribe. His skills in killing savages are highly praised. Ah, skill and, of course, social standing are what I call for in a man. I don't finish my sampler in time. My threads leave holes in my linen square, never complete. The sunlight fades I hear the calls cow for the cows call for milking, the pigs for slop. Just a girl once again. After dark, I become another girl who pretends among her peers to have a skill with fortune-telling. Our palettes spread, we talk. I tell a London story about the old woman who called me over and traded me a package of powder complete with gold lettering spelling money rain. At the time, I believed it would make me rich one day, but I remained a lowly serving girl. I offer fortunes from my volume of astrology and complete each fortune with predictions. Let them believe my skills. Let them think that I am more than what mistress calls me. Creating new worlds in our dark attic talks. Fantastic visions stitched with special skills. Painting pictures of a future we'd call free. I elevate myself 
with fancied talk. I have, I, I write, I write poems about myself, but I think I've been the most passionate about writing stories of others. And as I'm doing with this, um, with art, craft, and mystery, I um, did a lot of research. I found a lot of information about um, the colonial women, and I found court records and information about my relatives, lots of details. When I sat down to write, I made a list of all the important events that I could think of that had happened to my characters that I discovered in my research. And I I took a stack of tarot cards, and every day I would pull one of those events out of a hat, and I would pull a card out, and I would try to use the image from the card somewhere in the poem. I did that because I wanted to step away from my ego trying to control what I was writing. So that's how I began this book. And now what I'm doing is I'm looking to see if my characters have really hidden themselves or if they're giving part of their story away. And what I'm discovering is often they aren't really sharing their truth. They've, I haven't let them go to that point. I've stopped before the real depth of emotion has occurred. I like to write in form sometimes. I've found that writing in, I don't always write in form, but I've found that writing in form sometimes can help me go to a place where I have let go of control of the content of the poem. The ego thinks as long as I can make these words in the right order and then it will be okay because you're using a form. And at the meantime, the subconscious is pulling out stuff that's deeper and more beautiful because your ego is so concentrated on trying to create the form correctly. I usually write early in the morning. I like to write outside. I like to be able to feel the air blowing. I like to be able to see something in the distance. And I usually write outside unless it's below freezing. then I won't be won't ride outside. The dirt, sex, scent of tomatoes is the best line Tina Moselle Brazil has written so far. Winner of the 2017 Philip Levine Prize for Poetry, she loves writing in the glass cabin that she and her husband are building on Hydrangea Ridge. Hi, um, I'm Tina Moselle Brazil, and yes, I identify as a poet. I feel more and more confident to do that. Um, and also, I want to empower other people to feel like if you write a poem, you are a poet. It's really that simple. <laughs> Poetry is about, being a poet is about writing poems and um, sharing your work. That's what I tell my students that are writing poetry. I call them poets. So um, I just feel that that's, the, that's where poetry or being a poet comes from. 
I uh, wrote a poem when I was uh, a kid in school. I was asked to contribute to an anthology. And um, when I turned it in, the teacher told me that, um, well, asked me, she was like, I wanted you to write something that you wrote. And I was like, oh, she thought I plagiarized. So um, obviously, uh, she thinks I'm pretty good at this. So that, that gave me a lot of confidence. And I took a, a creative writing class at the University of Montevallo as an undergrad. Um, but after school, after I graduated, um, a friend of mine took a poetry class at UAB. And I found myself being really jealous, really, like, I... I, I wanted to be the poet, and she was supposed to remain the visual artist, and why was she doing something that I wanted to do? And so um, that's when I realized that, you know, poetry was really something that I wanted to pursue um, much more, I guess, publicly, not just something that I wrote when I was having a strong emotion, but, you know, something I really wanted to work at as a craft. Um, so I tagged along with my friend to the informal workshop that grew out of the out of the um the university one yeah I think it was jealousy <laughs> envy <laughs> um that that really called me to poetry more than anything people reach to, for poetry at moments when they want to distill a particular emotion um you find people wanting to find a poem for a funeral, and you find people that want to have a, find a poem for a wedding, which is really, really hard. <laughs> because most poems, you know, there's there's tension in them, and you don't really want to bring up any tension about love in a wedding. Um, so <laughs> there's that. The power of poetry in society is that it asked us to reconnect with our inner world. Um, I read somewhere that that's the difference between poetry and like reading novels, that novels teach us a lot about uh, empathizing with other people, but reading poetry is more about kind of reconnecting with yourself and how you see the world. And I think we live in a society now where everything is so much outward, you know, we're on social media and we're, how do we look? Um, how are we representing ourselves to the outward world? To me, like, say I'm on Facebook and there's, you know, at least a half a dozen posts per day of poems that I can read. I find that as a kind of like a, an oasis of where I can kind of reconnect to myself. It's almost like a moment of meditation. And yes, it's somebody else's poem, but I think each poem asks us to re-see the world, question how we see it, um, to kind of, you know, to have something to kind of think about, to accept or work against when we're, when, when we're reading it. I think I fell in love with um, language and words in church, reading the King James Version Bible. I mean, I love the uh, verse, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I mean, that's just amazing and then thinking about genesis the this idea of everything being spoken into being was really fascinating to me as a kid like that power of language to make things be and then as i grew up i mean i just you know i loved diagramming sentences i thought that was the coolest thing ever you know i, I 
I liked that. It, like, I didn't like learning grammar rules as much. I can, I still can't spell. I'm totally spell check dependent. I make a lot of grammatical errors um, in my speech and, and in my writing. I still love language, and I, and, and I particularly love um, like the Southern dialect and how we use language. Like, to me, a wonderful part of speech is the preposition, and I, I know it doesn't do a whole lot, but I like how in Southern dialect we like add them, you know together like up underneath something you know like we have to it's not just enough to have one preposition you gotta have two maybe three you know if you can I guess the teacher that taught me how to diagram sentences he said a preposition was anything you could do to a cloud and I was just like oh you know, in a cloud, through a cloud, over a cloud, <laughs> under a cloud, you know, like that just really um, captured my imagination. So I'm going to read um, a song. It's a, a poem that Ashley likes. Song. What gleams, a pearl, orbit of opulence, hardened around a sliver of salt or slight crag of sand. The singing moon wooing lover to lover. Come a little bit closer. Let me bite your lip. Come morning, the cotton goes to the gin, a burr hidden in the cloudy whisper of bowls, and purple holes fill my bowl. The holes open to strands of peas, each a pale bead with a dark eye peering from green sheen. Beside shine, what is pearl, but some grit, an oyster turned round and round, wishing she could spit. Raised in Arkansas and a longtime resident of Alabama, Jennifer Horn is a writer, editor, and teacher who explores Southern identity and experience, especially women's, through prose, poetry, fiction, and anthologies, and in classrooms and workshops across the South. In 2017, she was commissioned Poet Laureate of Alabama, serving a four-year term. You've asked whether I identify as a poet. Um, I certainly do, and probably as Poet Laureate of Alabama, I should definitely identify as a poet. Um, but I, I do think there's a depth to that question. Um, it took me a while to think of myself and to claim that word poet. I wrote poetry from an early age, um, from at least age seven or eight. Uh, my mother was a poet, and she really encouraged me in my writing. So I had that early um, uh, just sense of a person could be a poet. But I also thought that maybe it was a sort of a, a private, personal thing, not something where I was a poet out in the world. And it really took me um, through college, uh, taking a poetry workshop, uh, at Hendricks College in Arkansas with Denise Lavertoff, who was there as a visiting writer, and then when I decided a couple of years later to go to an MFA program. And uh, you you uh, chose, are you a poet or are you a fiction writer? 
And although that's sort of an arbitrary designation, I said, you know, I'm a poet. And uh, it was through that process of claiming that and then deciding that that was what I was going to be in the world as well as personally um, that I was willing to say, yes, I identify as a poet. I think as a child, I enjoyed reading and um, out of that grew the desire to play with words, um, to make things up. I like to rhyme, as a lot of kids do. And then as I grew older in adolescence, it was a way to try to make sense of new experiences and emotions and that transition into adulthood. And I think throughout my life, what I do when I sit down to write a poem, I might just start with a line or an image, but I'm always trying to figure something out. Um, there's um, a stick me tight that's stuck to my pants leg and I'm trying to get it off. Um, there's something that has lodged in my brain that doesn't quite make sense. And I want to see what words could help convey that experience to somebody else. Um, I was reading recently in Mary Oliver's poetry handbook, and she talked about how a poem is an experience. And um, in, in doing that, I think that I really uh, do focus strongly on the five senses and um, that kind of imagery so that what's inside my head can connect to what's inside somebody else's head through that physical experience of the body, of the five senses. I think the process of crafting poems is a lifelong challenge. You never figure it out. You never just are able to sit down and go, okay, now I'm going to write a poem because I know how to do this. I think you have to figure out that crafting each time with each new poem and learn your way forward. And that's part of what I love about writing poetry, the power of poetry in society. Uh, for a while, I really loved reading the Russian poets, still do, but, but I really just explored Russian poetry and translation. And um, the way uh, there was Samistat, underground publication of poets like Anna Akhmatova and Osip Mandelstam, because that poetry meant so much to people um, during the years of the Soviet Union and, and was speaking for the people of Russia. Um, there's a story, I think it's about Boris Pasternak, who was giving a reading in an auditorium and stumbled on a line, paused, wasn't sure, you know, just temporarily forgot. And from the audience came the line. Everybody knew his poems by heart and um, had, had memorized um, so much of his work as they had with the other Russian poets. So I think there can be a very powerful effect of the poet speaking for the people. Um, but I also think that much more um, intimate person-to-person um, voice matters tremendously. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about poems, whether that poet lived one or two or three or four or five hundred years ago, that voice can still speak to you in the present. When I'm writing a poem, as I said, I often start with an image or just a phrase or a line. Um, and, and I recognize that it has some kind of power and I need to pay attention to it. And so I write it down and then at that moment or later, I come back to it and work with it. And, and in revision, I, I work very hard to add layers, um, the way um, a cook might lay down layers of flavor. I try to lay down layers of meaning and illusion and interaction among the various um, words and the images conjured by them. 
so that it's, um, even if it's a very spare poem, it's richly spare. I'm going to read from my new book of poems, Little Wanderer, titled Mystagogue Dream Poem with William Crissenberry. In my dream, you were building the ominous memory structure, first sawdust from the wood cutting, then paint, faint smell of burning, then beeswax smell, clean and candle-like. You were wearing your trademark chinos and eating boiled peanuts, which you don't like but liked in the dream. In the dream, you heard the night riders coming to get you. You were hiding in the chiffarobe among old woolen winter coats, moth-eaten despite the heavy smell of camphor, when you decided to go up to the attic, through the roof, into the sky that is your rightful home, visiting stars like distant relatives who nonetheless give you a warm welcome. An army of kudzu advances on your house now, but you are with friends, and a backward glance over your left shoulder, the same one you throw salt over, is all you can afford or even want, the future being the point of investigating the past after all. Taking the compass arrows at their word, believing that green is more than a curtain behind which the lead bones of trees barely remain upright, more than a clot on the landscape. I was going to tell you to please keep building, and you were going back to your work, and all those who wander the red dirt roads were going to their graves with the knowledge of the justice you were trying to do them. It was early, barely dawn, a single bird singing when I walked out your door into dew-bright grass. I heard you through the open window of your studio humming an old hymn, some kind of lengthening of the tight chords of time. The Magic City Poetry Festival begins Monday, April 2nd at Studio 2500 in Birmingham, Alabama. Thanks to festival founders Ashley Jones and Alina Stefanescu-Coriel. For a full festival schedule, check out the festival Facebook page or go to alabamawritersconclave.org. Thanks to the poet interviewees in this episode, Jacqueline Trimble, Liz Huey, Laura Secord, Tina Moselle Brazil, Jennifer Horn, and the Putnam Middle School poets Virginia England, Wyona Hale, Precious Sturdivant, Layla Felder, Deja Grant, Desire Nwasu, and Divine Nwasu. For bios and photos of the poets in this episode, go to greenbucketpress.com backslash present tense podcast. Our theme music is by cellist Craig Haltgren. Transition music by Ryan Anderson. If you like what you heard in this episode, please subscribe to the Present Tense podcast by Green Bucket Press on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter at greenbucketpress.com and shop online for voice book journals, books, and more. Remember that your life is a creative journey. Write it down. <laughs>